When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala, and I know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. With me in person for the first time in quite some time is my co-host, Kristen Stutter. She's a skeptic. She's the voice of the people. Hi, Kristen. Hello. Can you feel the difference? I wonder if it if it's going to sound, although I guess last week's episode was half uh, half IRL, half Zoom. Yeah, I wonder if you can feel the chemical difference between people being in a room and, and on the Zoom. Sound off on Twitter if you can tell the <laughs> chemical difference between what's happening here. Uh, well, th- this is exciting. To be, We can talk over each other and uh, it won't glitch out. There, there can be all sorts of... I can look at you in the eyes. I hate it. And really... I can't stand I can look it. At, I can look at you so in the Joe eyes. So Joe can talk over me and, and glare at the same time. And I can say, hey, Kristen, it's the second week of Foo Lie. No, why? <laughs> I want you to know I closed my eyes when he said that. I will not be making eye contact when someone makes that pun. It's a very exciting time on this podcast. We are devoting the entire month of July, which I will reiterate has five Fridays. We have five episodes. I don't know how you plan to and, make this happen. And we we are we are dedicating it entirely to the Foo Fighters uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees of 2021. This feels rude. I mean, <laughs> it feels like because um, we'll introduce our guests. And I just want to say, though, I re-listened to the second half of the episode that you posted and uh, to prepare for whatever right. we're going to talk about. We on brushed this. up on our conversation with Allie Gertz from 2018 about Foo Fighters, which we released in a remastered version last week. And I feel like my opinion hasn't really changed a lot. I mean, I was like, the, I was pretty right on. I, I don't know. I, I had been worried that I had some dumb opinions. No, I think I pretty much... I just I agree with 2018 me. Uh, she knew what she was talking about, and I do not know how you're going to squeeze, how or why you're going <laughs> to squeeze five weeks worth of episodes out of a footnote of a band. You footnote? know? Oh God! <laughs> like I just I mean, and and because I feel like I ended that last episode being like, you know what? They've got more songs than I remember liking, and that's good for them. I still don't think they're the most amazing Hall of Famer first year inductees, mm-hmm. but good for them. And and we could just, in my opinion, leave ended it there. at that. Ended there. Well, I will let you know that I'm going to get creative, which I think you will appreciate. Mm, me appreciating creativity. <laughs> you appreciating anything that I do? <laughs> I appreciate all of the work you do, Well, thank Joe. you. All right, let's bring in our guest, finally. <laughs> it's, it's lovely to have him here in person. Our listeners might know him as a passionate defender of Weezer, 
from a few years ago when we talked about them on the show. He's he's pretty much staking his claim as the guy who defends long-running alt-rock bands who have wa- wavering uh, <laughs> acclaim. But Connor Sullivan, hi, Connor. Hi, guys. Uh, I just want to stress, I, I can't make the same passionate defense here. Uh, <laughs> there are a lot of gaps in my knowledge here, so I'm... But, you know, I thought you would be a good person to talk to because... You have, have you listened to every Foo Fighters album? I have not listened to the newest one. Okay. Because life was too short during lockdown and those singles <laughs> seemed bad. And, yeah. Uh, I think I have to defend so many 90s bands by defending modern Green Day, modern Weezer. Foo Fighters was like, right, you, they got enough. They, a, they got enough friends. You have a, you have a hard job. Man. <laughs> hard job. <laughs> I, mean, know, I, give keep, the man I a break. have to keep defending Collective Soul and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Screaming Trees. Scream, I, I could defend the Screaming no, Trees. I, of course, everyone knows I'm a, I'm the biggest sponge head. Oh yeah, I can't get enough of that sponge. <laughs> sponge cracker. cracker. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. But yeah, I, I I feel like, and we were talking about this a little bit off air, but you know, we just aired it the first time we talked about the Foo Fighters, which was early on in the podcast, and I feel like we didn't really dive deep with them. We had like a nice conversation. We covered a lot of stuff, but I would like to get, go through like kind of a history of this band, talk about them a little bit more in depth. And I also get your opinions, Connor, because I know you have a, a, a good deal of them about their releases. Joe, I'm so, also, before we begin though, I do just want to like ring the alarm about the fact that we are spending five weeks on what we did say was Agreed upon between you and I and many of our guests, the least exciting of all the inductees. Mm-hmm. Okay, so me, arguably the least exciting of the nominees, like at yeah. large. Well, you have to. If consider. we're going to give short shrift to some other incredibly worthy artists, who we might have more. I just don't want to go down in flames. All the foo foo fans. Uh, well, you know, again, you're going to see what I have planned, which, you know, I think outside the box a little bit uh, right. as, as we continue. All right. I'm going to trust you, Joe. Uh, also, you have to consider in terms of how am I going to make a pun out of July? Foo just really fit in there so nicely. <laughs> it's oh, true. man. I have. So I have pretty much planned out what the themed months are going to be from now until October, which is when the uh, induction ceremony is, is going to happen. And I have it set out so that we will be covering every inducted artist in every category and Some everything of them relevant. five times. For, I mean, <laughs> stay tuned to see how, how this all shakes out. So I, I feel like my opinion is probably similar to both of yours mm-hmm. in positive and negative ways where they are maybe the most middle-of-the-road rock band currently around. Like, I don't know anyone that's a passionate Foo Fighters fan. They exist. Off the top of my head. You, but you know, you know, they, but you uh, know, but like, you don't, you've heard of them. Yeah, everyone knows them and everyone knows at least 10 Foo Fighters songs, mm-hmm. like, if not yeah. by heart, but like pretty well. Yeah. But no, I like, even as someone that's like, I have two Foo Fighters albums that mean a lot to me that's still barely like you're not gonna wear a Foo Fighters t-shirt no no god no I mean it's it seems like that's like wearing a Star Wars shirt to me Mm -hmm. of like it's just something everybody knows it seems silly to like wear yeah it's so ubiquitous and it's not they're not achieving any artistic heights they're kind of like the marvel of music like they are consistent and they put out good work but like does it really like it means a lot to a lot of people do I know anybody who it means a lot to 
I maybe, but no one who's like close to me. I'm such a nerd. I love the Foo Fighters. <laughs> but I feel like that person might exist. No, oh, I'm sure yeah. it does. Well, I, I think if you, when we kind of go through their history in a little bit, you'll see at some point they were kind of a cool alt band. Mm-hmm. Like here, their bassist was in uh, oh god, Sunny, what's, Day, Real and Sunny Day Real Estate, and like and Pat Smear was in the Germs, and Grohl was coming off Nirvana. Like they were legit interesting for a while mm-hmm. and and my favorite album of theirs we'll get to but is is smack dab in the middle of that but then they just slowly did what most rock bands do now which is they they kind of became a classic rock band yeah but like they were originally kind of like heavy alt and then there's some new wave in there and then they slowly just became every rock band that plays a stadium show now right yeah it was there's really two roads i think for that type of band right like you either you either burn out you break up you become irrelevant or you become a giant stadium rock band for the whole family Ra- rock band for the whole family <laughs> I the feel, Foo yeah Fighters. like is is this do the foo fighters ever do anything at the very least in their concerts or like in their music that you couldn't play for a, ch- a child or grandma no, Did I mean, they swear at all? Not much. May, uh, maybe in between songs. Yeah, he's probably a make some fucking noise guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right yeah, about that. Um, but not in their songs. Their songs are not no. inappropriate. The only song, and like anytime there's anything inappropriate, you have to like listen for it and interpret it that way. Like, okay. is all my life about going down on a woman? All my life about going down on a woman? Yeah. Is that a, l- a legend? I love it, but I hate the taste. Uh, Come on, Dave. Yeah, I don't think it is. I think it's... I mean, or that's that's one of those, like, urban legends, maybe. Yeah. I feel like his songs are about nothing, and that's one of the weird things about how long he's been able to... All of his songs are inspiration. I was making a playlist once that was just one-word title, Foo Fighters hits, because there's Run... Walk. The rope. Wheels. These are all like newer. Are uh, some of those are good. Th- some of them are good singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and that's one of the things about a lot of their music is some of it's really corny and sappy. But then, like, if you hear times like these at the right point, like during a run, you're like, oh, all right. No, <laughs> like, no. Oh, come on, times come on. Like this is the ultimate of their cornball. Oh uh, no, they get much cornier than times like it, these. But that was the one that's a hit. Yeah, that, like that was. Knows. I think that was the point of no return after that song hit they abandoned being a singular band i think after that it was just you might say stuff they're like that. through being cool through being foo Fool being fool. Okay, now we're really th- this, and I love a stretch of a pun, but I have really been put through it. This, mm-hmm. oh yeah, and it's really sorry hard. to oh, only gosh. beginning. Uh, well, yeah, why don't we talk about the uh, the kind of history of, of the Foo Fighters? Okay, something that we kind of glossed over on the last mm-hmm. um, episode is what is their name? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about that. So obviously, Foo Fighters comes out of Nirvana. It's one of the uh, origin stories in rock that is most well known. But even before that, the Dave Grohl solo stuff. I want to touch on that a little bit because that does begin before Nirvana's breakup. 
With like he, Marigold and yeah, so he he would write songs, but be afraid and intimidated to record them or show them to anybody because he was in a band with Kurt Cobain, one of the great rock songwriters and like the, the king of thinking stuff sucks. <laughs> so yeah. like, imagine, and also you're the young guy in that group. You're the you're perpetually the new guy in that group. But he did. There is a song on. Uh, it doesn't make it to a Nirvana album, but it's the B side of. A single from In Utero, it might be Heart Shaped Box, called Marigold, which is a song that Dave Grohl sings on. Or it's, he wrote it. I feel like he I've heard it. that it's song. It's a good song. Yeah. It's, it's a really good song. Not good enough to make the album. <laughs> I don't even think Kurt plays on it. I think maybe he helped him like finish writing it, and and Chris Novoselich is on it. But yeah, Dave is singing it, and will occasionally trot it out at a Foo Fighters show. Um, but that's like kind of proto Foo Fighters is a song Marigold, uh, and he also released a cassette in '92 called Pocket Watch. It's under the band name Late. With an exclamation point. Oh. Which is really... I thought you were just being judgmental about the name. No. It's, under, it's under the band name Late. Yeah, Late. <laughs> that, I think, has has an early version of Marigold on it. And an early version of a song called Friend of a Friend. <laughs> which wound up on a Foo Fighters album much later. No one speaks. How did DG end up in Nirvana? He was in a band called Scream. In it was like no exclamation kind of point. no exclamation point no, uh, and they were like a punk maybe even hardcore yeah, band. Yeah, it was like Seattle hardcore. But they were in DC. Oh, that was DC. Oh well, they were in get DC. Me out of here. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> DG was in DC with Scream and King Buzzo of the Melvins had played with them and he was tight with Nirvana and when Nirvana needed a drummer he suggested he like connected them and so which Dave, is a crazy thing to think about in the early 90s if like you're in DC and you're like I guess yeah, I'll move to Washington moving, state that's to, like coast to coast maybe to be you in know? this band that at that point like you could tell we're good but like no one expected their success at yeah. the level that it was there was a very bizarre thing that happened in a lot of rock and pop punk bands in the 90s where a band would go to the next level the second they added a new drummer because mm-hmm. Trey Cool coming to Green Day is when they blew up. Blink-182 blows up when Travis Barker joins the band and Nirvana goes, you know, what, quadruple platinum the yeah. moment Dave Grohl joins. And, ev- and like even Pearl Jam, like they had a drummer named Dave Krusen who played on 10, but he left the band before 10 came out, but after oh, it was recorded geez. and they brought in a new drummer and then 10 was released and then wow. Pearl Jam was, yeah. Well, I also thing. was just thinking, oh, I also used to know the names of the drummer in the band of mm-hmm. a lot of these bands. Like, like you used to I know, know bands. Who, yeah, I used to know bands and all of their members. Like, yeah. I, used, I used to be able to name every Foo Fighters member and now there's no way because there's like two members that have very like Joe Smith type (laughs) names. Well, so before Foo Fighters, but then after Nirvana no longer being a thing, it was a question of what Dave Grohl was going to do. 
he played with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> That's and so there was an offer for him to join Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He could have been a heartbreaker. It was like, is he going to join Danzig? Is he going to join So there were offers out. People yeah. were like, we got to get... Because he was this young drummer from the biggest band in the world. And like, what's he going to do? Be a drummer in another band, probably. I have a question about Chris Novoselic. Mm-hmm. What did he do? Before? No, after, after after Nirvana, not much. So I like mean, the, he wasn't getting isn't those he heartbreakers politically offers. Problematic yeah, now. He no, he no. Was like kind of a, he was a Trump guy. What? Uh, yeah, oh, I know. I of all people, hate that. I hate that so no. much. No, I thought he was cool. He is cool, but like, no, <laughs> that is not there. You can't. If you're, if you, I mean, if you're a Nirvana, a founding member of Nirvana, you are permanently cool regardless of what you do. No, he does it, play there, on that actually. Some there Foo is a there is a line for me, and that is it. That's it. That is it. Oh my god, um, I hate it. But like, I think he—I'm he, sure he has done some fuck around music projects. But it seemed like he just mostly left music. He's and he—he he played on a on a Foo Fighters track. He uh, pops up in concerts sometimes. But, mm-hmm. Like a vocal pro Trump person. I don't know how vocal. It almost, no, I almost feel like it's a kind of thing of like he was in an interview and like they got on the subject. Yeah, and he's said the thing full on libertarian. I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if there's a way to get there, that's <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, the most logical way for him. I, yeah, I'm like, I just really that shook me and I hated it. But <laughs> you have to wonder what happens in a world where Kurt Cobain lives lives, in. and then also like lives to maybe make bad music. Yeah, I you know? always think about that, that he would have become like Eddie Vedder doing those ukulele albums where you're like, this is fine, you but it's for You better watch out, nobody. the jam is going like, to be coming for you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, Dave Grohl was trying to figure out what to do. He was obviously very depressed. He didn't really want to play music. He felt shitty about it, but he went to a studio and just laid down a bunch of tracks that he had written while he was in Nirvana that he didn't record and was like afraid to show anybody. And it was that tape that he made that became the first album. And he named it, he gave it a band name because he didn't want it to be like the Dave Grohl project. Uh-huh. He wanted it to maybe someone found the tape and it just said Foo Fighters on it and they don't know what that means. And then maybe they'll listen to it without any bias mm. and then, you know, be like, and then listen find out later. Without Prejudice, volume one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Jesus. But, and I think the name Foo Fighters was because, well, came from what in World War II, the aircraft pilots referred to like UFOs and things they didn't understand in the airspace. They called them Foo Fighters and he pulled that for some reason and then that was the name it and he regrets it. It sounds racially insensitive. Because it sounds like... It sounds like something someone would make up for like a, a Chinese villain in a comic book in the 1930s. <laughs> That's what it sounds yeah. like to me. I think it's a great band name. I hope it's not <laughs> offensive. Really? I hope it's not offensive. You, you really think it's a great band name? Well, it's like, I don't know. Dave it's, Grohl doesn't think it's a great yeah, band name. I know, but like... You're going to disagree with like, Grohl? I, I don't think it's a good name. I think it's a good, memorable band name. Like, I think the name Death Cab for Cutie sucks. That's but true. like, yeah. at least you could be like Death Cab and like kind of get it. And <laughs> I mean, they're, it's at least memorable in a way that mm-hmm. like calling it light 
I mean, I admit, yes, there are worse band names that it could have been, but this is not a good name. There, no, it's, it's just really not. I stand by it. Wow. That is, you, you are Strange the hill. only Strange one. Hill to die on. Very I'm weird. I'm not going to die on the hill. I'll, <laughs> I'll get on, the If hill. someone asks me to get on the hill, I'll be I'll sure. Get I'll out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but yeah, so that album, that first album, the self-titled, has songs you know on it. It has This Is A Call. Has I'll Stick Around. Has Big Me. But it's all Dave Grohl. Yeah. He's the only one playing on it. He plays all oh, the parts. Oh, he plays all the instruments and he made it himself alone in yeah. his grief? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, huh. and I think a lot of people like to use that as the best Foo Fighters album. And I, I disagree. It's a, it's a good record, mm-hmm. but... It's yeah, it's still a little choppy. He's finding his sea legs like as a frontman in it, and it's kind of all over the place. I mean, if you look at the difference between like I'll stick around and Big Me as singles, they sound like two completely different bands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And personally, on this, I I was a huge Big Me fan because the the, the Mentos, Mentos video, video was so <laughs> memorable. Funny. But yeah. that's a catchy little pop song. It's oh, the kind yeah, of stuff that I... It's got Weezer vibes. It has that definite has Weezer vibes. Weezer vibes. I'm not shocked that you and like No, but it. I think that's the thing is you'll see as we go on in the discography, he starts to lean more into the hard rock element of yeah. Foo Fighters and he kind of starts to forget the fun pop, which was the stuff that I fell in love with, that he will like kind of sprinkle in in later albums, but it's really much more about being like the biggest rock band. Heavy. It's yeah. interesting too because I think yet another unpopular opinion from Connor where he's like, I like the soft stuff. I like the poppy stuff. <laughs> I like their name and I like I Oh like no, you'll name, see. I'm I gonna like every stuff. song I, I cite will be the wussiest song on every album. Because <laughs> I'll Stick Around, that song rips, It's man. great. Yeah, it's that a great song. That song. so good. I don't know what it's about, like, at all. I don't know most... I can't help but hear lyrics most of the time. In almost every song, the first thing that I hear and that sticks out to me is often the lyrics. I do not feel that way about the Foo Fighters. I couldn't tell you. I know it's like, came from it. I mean, like, I don't know what those words are at all. I I would love a full rendition (laughs) in that exact. uh, With with that styling. (laughs) Well, I mean, there are a few exceptions, as we'll see later. But, yeah, I mean, he writes very boilerplate meat and potatoes lyrics that could kind of be about anything, and that kind of is why that band has been able to last so long. They're generalists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think he probably pulls from Kurt Cobain's process, which was do the lyrics at the last second. Like you you were about to record... And then you just write a bunch of shit down. You just write rape me a couple only of times. Like, <laughs> <laughs> only I think he probably I know my grandma take me home. <laughs> <laughs> I think he lacks the the depth of Kurt Cobain. Not saying that there aren't lyrics that we've just acknowledged about Kurt's that are tossed off. But I think, especially in this first album, that is the songwriting process he knows of from the band that mm-hmm. he was in. But yeah, there was no band at that point. But it was released by a studio. You know, it was like a major release. And then he was going to tour with it. So he had to put together a band. And Sunny Day Real Estate was this group that had had a marginal amount of all rock success. They have a song called Seven that you would maybe recognize. I 
remember the band Sunny Day Real Estate. I remember their name, the idea of them. I was kind of transitioning out of emo at that time. Mm. Um, well, yeah, they were like godfathers of emo. Yeah. And they, if I'm not mistaken, what happened was they got scooped up by a major label. And basically it was that era of sellout culture. Yeah. And then after the recording of their second album the band just imploded and then what nate mandel was a bass player william goldsmith was the uh drummer they had planned a tour but decided they were going to break up before the tour so it was kind of this last hurrah and dave Grohl went to the, one of the shows and he was like i like that rhythm section those guys are good and so he enlisted both those guys goldsmith and and mendel and that was the drummer and the the bass? Yeah, the drummer and the bassist. And then he adds Pat Smear. From Nirvana, you know, mm-hmm. late addition to the kind of touring lineup of, of Nirvana. And Pat Smear, you know, is older than those guys. Yeah, has and like, like Pat Smear is like Gen X legacy, like legend, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so obviously the Germs, legendary punk band in L.A. They, some people say he saved Nirvana even just within the band when he joined because they were kind of at each other's throats. And then this guy that comes in that they all love. He's like who's chill, like Very man. chill and like very fun to be around. And you can get obviously why Grohl would want him in the band because he's a great guitar player and he's like fun to be around. Yeah, Pat Smear, he's definitely seems like a good hang. Mm-hmm. A solid hang. He definitely hang. does, yeah. Honestly, so does Dave Grohl. I've said it. It's not like I have a problem with Dave Grohl. It's just we are in Hall of Fame territory. Well, that is all. To me, that's something I, I find a little irritating about him now is because he's become like a Bill Murray type. Yeah. Where it's always like, Dave Grohl was on the subway eating a piece of pizza. And you're like, oh, boy, okay. And he's like, just like us. It's that kind of thing he where you crashed your wedding. All right. It's uh-huh. like when he's 40 and he's drunk, you're like, isn't it cool? He's drunk. But then when he's 55, you're like, oh, geez, he's drunk on the subway by himself. Ugh. Like, it's just, I think that's something that's a little scary about Dave Grohl as he continues to be the, the rocker guy. It's like watching. I guess I don't yeah. feel like he is the rocker guy. I feel like he's like your fun uncle or whatever i don't know like he's well that's like, what rocker guy has become that's oh, it yeah. yeah rocker guys are uncles now there's no yeah it's like dad joke guys. like rock kind of stuff yeah oh i'm aware i mean i have a podcast about the rock and roll hall of fame connor <laughs> <laughs> i I, uh, I do know where i know who our audience is and i love you all quick note about pat smear i know we think of foo fighters as a white band but pat smear uh is indigenous love that so you know and th- i don't think there's a lot of indigenous representation in the rock mm-hmm. hall of fame i can only think of like a so, few people. so basically Kristen is out of line because she's been trying to keep him out of the mm-hmm. rock hall. that's me you know me trying to keep everyone out of the rock hall i i care very deeply uh so that lineup of the group toured uh they opened for mike watt from the minutemen and then they made they started to make the second album which was the color and the shape from 1997 and that's the one that has that's the big one right it's it was a big it has monkey wrench on it it has everlong it has my hero for me Everlong is one of the greatest songs ever written. It's lightning in a bottle, too, because like compared to the rest of his discography. It, it's interesting. But, it has levels. And I had to look up right before we recorded who it was about, because I always forget Wait, which member of Veruca Salt it, it about, was. Oh. It's about Louise Post, that he was dating Louise Post from Veruca Salt. The and one it, and, and only see their herself. And their relationship is what broke up Veruca Salt. 
What? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. The thing about Everlong is it feels really specific. It's like a very specific love song to me, mm-hmm. and that and it feels like a very of the moment. I'm song. literally over here going, "What are the lyrics?" I know the words "Everlong" are in it, mm-hmm. and as I sing along with you, which is a I, I think, yeah. I think that's singers. such a beautiful line, and I think there are some general lines in that song. The sentiment feels oh, oh, really it's, real. If, if everything could, could ever feel, feel this, this real, real forever. forever. Okay, yes, yes. And then also, I, the it ha- I mean, Great. obviously it has the amazing Michelle Gondry video. The thing that kills me every time is that bridge with the muffled whispers, which he recorded people reading love letters and I believe voicemail kind of stuff, and it's all kind of layered in. And, and so you can't, like, can't understand you it. You can't really. understand it, but it's really like a haunting beautiful little moment of music and it really is kind of the thing of like oh he's experimenting and getting to new interesting paths that he later just stops going down but to me that's the absolute high point of their career I think that's like the one song if you had to take from their discography it has to be Everlong. Mm-hmm. Yeah and I think Dave will say that I think the band will say that. It's a good song. I mean, now I'm know. hearing it in my head I'm like yeah that's like, a good one. There's a story Bob Dylan likes that song and like wanted to talk to <laughs> Dave Grohl about it Whoa. It was like, teach me how to play it. I'll start playing it. And it also is a weird kind of rock song because it has a little of that emo backbeat mm-hmm. with the, with you know, as you'll find out later, the, it, the drummer is, is Grohl himself on it. Yeah, so we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll, as we talk about this out. But like, it straddles a lot of rock lines, which is also a thing I think is what kept them so oddly relevant is that they don't fit into we're like this big cock rock type band or we're a pop punk band it has different elements to it and I think that's what makes it such a memorable song and especially in this era or period of their career they were not leaning too heavily into one genre within the rock genre I mean it's obviously all quite rock yeah it does have bits of that emo feel to it and there are like acoustic songs on there there's again like some more hardcore leaning stuff it's still kind of a mishmash record but it definitely feels like a band record mm-hmm. wait so what's going on Grohl, yeah. Grohl's playing so, all the instruments yeah. again he's Grohl, I mean he's he's not satisfied with William Goldsmith the drummer oh, and is making him do takes over and over again because he knows how he wants it to sound in his head mm-hmm. and also he's a great drummer <laughs> and that must suck for William yeah. Goldsmith. Like your front man is also a, a better drummer than you, and you were just not delivering what he wants. Oh my and god! What, and it gets really nasty because they're getting close to finishing the album, and then they go to like a new studio to like do some just little things. And every band member is called back, and they're like, "We already did this." And we're like, "Oh yeah, we just had to." I had to redo the the drums, uh, so we just need to do it again. And they're just they like re-record the whole thing. And the whole album or just this per, song? Well, at first it's a few songs. And then it's... And then Dave's like, you know what? I like how this is sound. Yeah, and then it's the whole album, and they don't really tell William Goldsmith they're doing that. <gasps> and Nate Mendel, who's like his buddy from Sunday Day Real Estate, has to tell him, and obviously he's pissed. And he leaves the band. Because Dave was like, I'd like you to stay as like the touring drummer, but some of these tracks I want to redo the drums. And by some of the tracks, he meant all of them. Wow. Because he, he did the drums on this entire album. Now, is William Goldsmith still credited on this album? He might be. I think on a couple of tracks. Yeah. But and everybody it, knows. It's mostly, if not all, Dave doing the drums himself. Which, uh, good for him for leaving. Cause that, to be treated like that. Oddly humiliating oh, yeah. kind mean, of thing. Oh, yeah. He had to leave. But, uh, I mean, what do you think is the answer? What do you think would have been the answer? 
don't do it. Just have it sound different well, than you want. It's I, it's tricky. I mean, like, because if you have a you have a vision and it's your band, and like yeah. everybody knows it's your band, and you want it to sound a certain way. Back then, bands had such short shelf lives. I feel like people forget that bands only used to seem to exist for ten years tops, max. Yeah, and then yeah. they would and just disappear. Something. So it's not like you think, oh well, they'll have twenty five more years. It's like this sucks. I'm leaving. Like another band will pop up. Yeah. Well, how did they find T-Hawks then? Why don't we take a little bit of a break? <laughs> and then when we, when we come back, we'll discuss the future of the Foo Fighters. It's Foo Lie, baby. We'll be right back. The future. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you kept things efficient. If you didn't need to waste time, you didn't. Mm-mm. All right. So we're talking about just after the the second album the color and the shape which was a huge success we had william goldsmith had left the group he was treated poorly and they needed a drummer because they needed a tour to support this album at the very least they needed a touring drummer uh-huh and they said let's find the most charismatic guy we freaking can dude and so at this time one of the biggest artists around is Alanis Morissette and she has a young very Grohl-like drummer in terms of enthusiasm, Mm. hitting those drums as hard as you can. And Grohl reaches out to him and is like, hey, do you know anybody who we need a drummer? Do you know anybody? Like, I trust you. You're really good. And he was like, "Mm, what about me? He's like, I'm trying to leave Alanis. I mean, which which is kind of crazy. Absolutely. At the peak of Jack Little Bill. I cannot... And he, that, I mean, that's why Grohl did not think to ask him because he thought, like, we're not as big as her. Why would you want to leave? And he's like, I want to be in a band. I want to be, like, part of something. I don't want to, like, support a solo musician. I want to be in a band. And so then they brought on Taylor Hawkins, Mini Grohl. Mini Grohl. Well, who also uh, uh, looks great in drag for, uh, for a lot of the Because vi- in he Everlong does. and Learn to Fly, he's, he's, he's a beautiful a, woman. He's a beautiful he's, well, woman. Well, he's a very good looking man. <laughs> yeah. And he has good vibes. Now that you say calling him Mini Grohl, it really is. He's got Grohl vibes big time. Dang. Mm-hmm. Now, not long after Taylor Hawkins joins, Pat Smear leaves. No. Yeah, didn't he leave right Whoa. at like a VMA's performance? In the, well, like it was planned during an some MTV performance. He plays a song and is like, that's it for me. That's my last song with the Foo Fighters. And then he brings out his replacement who plays like the next few songs. Whoa. But he was feeling burnt out. He was, you know, he was older than the guys. Honestly, and, like, respect, Pat. I thought, I'm glad it wasn't like, you know, the two guys who seem like a good hang can't hang together or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's too many chill vibes. And also, like, and also he comes back later. Yeah. Right. So, so that's, I mean, your, I didn't yeah. think he left, he, he left on a bad no. note or anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, he was just, you know, they, especially at that time, that group toured quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, I want to relax. So then they bring in a guy named Franz Stahl, who was in Scream, the the group that Grohl was in. The hardcore like, band? As a teenager. Okay. To be the, the second guitar player. And he's with them for a little bit, touring. And... Uh-oh. Don't, they don't quite gel. Again, he's like, he, he's a little bit older than them. I, I'm sure his and Dave's relationship is weird because Dave was this like teenage yeah. drummer in his in his cool band in D.C. Yeah, and also Grohl at this point is having a very weird freak out. And I believe he moves back to his like parents' house. What? 
He goes back to, yeah, and for the next album, I believe they recorded in a house in Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah. Um, But, like, I think the relentless touring schedule and all sorts of shit. Also, at this point, Nate Mendel quits. Uh, The bass player quits. And at that point, it's just like everybody's quitting the band. And I think at that point, Grohl is just like, all right. And then like he's like, it was just going to be my project anyway. No, I don't think he feels that way, (laughs) though. I think he really wanted a band. And then all these guys are dropping like flies. But then the next day, because Sunny Day Real Estate was going to reunite. And he was like, that's like my that's my group. It's almost like my going back to your high school crush. It's like that Mm -hmm. was where it all started. But then like the next day, he's like, I'm this is crazy. And he calls Dave Grohl literally the next day and was like, Oh, Nate Mendel. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry. No, I'm going to stay with the Foo Fighters. I want to stay with the Foo Fighters. I'm sorry. And then it, it was all good. So, okay, and so Nate, Nate Mendel has been with the, he never, that was the only time he left the group and it was for one day. He's been with the group since and he's been the most consistent member, you know, pretty much from, from the beginning until now. Also, just mad respect to the Pat Smear planned exit in the middle of a concert. That's a <laughs> mm-hmm. cool move. More That's bands fun. should do that. Yeah. That's fun. Introduce also, your replacement so everyone knows yes, it's cool. It's like, I prefer not a notes app like, hey, I'm yeah, not in the band anymore. Exactly. It's so nice that they made it fun and a spectacle. I don't know. Yeah. I really gotta I really gotta give it up for that. That's also maybe just a nineties thing that you could do then when people were watching the VMA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where, where you know everybody's watching watching and like yeah. anyone who cares is, is tuning in. Yeah. Uh, so like you said, Connor, there's this retreat to Virginia, which is where, uh, you know, close to where Grohl is from. And they record the next album. There's nothing left to lose away from any like big studio pressure or anything like that. They just record it in this house that, that Dave Grohl buys. And that's the album that has learned to fly on it. Absolutely my favorite Foo Fighters album. It's because ah. it's basically they're a trio in mm-hmm. on this album. So it's really intimate. Dave, Taylor, and, 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 Nate, and, and Nate. Nate. And it's again, it's pretty varied in the sound, but there's a lot of slow synthy new wave songs on it. There's a song called Headwires that's like that. a vocoder thing with a song called Generator that's like an incredible chorus that I can't believe wasn't like a single. The back half of There's Nothing Left to Lose is really slow and sweet and just almost shoegazy. One of my favorite singles of theirs is Next Year, which of course we all know is, is the, the theme, theme song to, the TV to show Ed, Ed. Which, uh, <laughs> which I have I watched on YouTube recently? Of course. There's something kind of relaxed and happy about this album it's like he just seems happy to be making music mm-hmm. the singles which aren't my personal so wait, favorite what are, are the singles? learn to fly and break out break out and next year we're all how the does breakout go you make me dizzy running circles in my head oh, okay i'll explain it joe i'll explain in ways that she knows Kristen, it was the lead single off the me myself and irene oh, soundtrack gosh, i'm in <laughs> trouble There you go. Sorry if for you, starting at the yeah, beginning I'm of the like, song. If you could just get to the chorus, I would remember it's it. A, it's a, <laughs> that and Learn to Fly are both just very proficient 
good rock singles. Yeah, they're Learn not to Fly great. is just such, I mean, that is a. Also, as a vocoder. That's just like an inspo rock song. Here we go. Yeah, and it's you, good. And the video's fun. It's fun. It's well, got and also, in it. was this yeah. around the time that, like, U2 was also doing some inspo rock? Yeah, it's the next year is All That You Can't Leave Behind, which yeah. is essentially the same title as There's Nothing Left to Lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, they were yeah. both kind of in. I feel like rock music was in this, in my opinion, a nader. Well, yeah, of, like bands that had been around for a long time making songs about how you're gonna make it or and, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because Foo Fighters and U2 are very similar, except for the fact that. Everyone loves Dave Grohl and does not love Bono. You don't want to have a beer with Bono, even though I bet that would probably be a lot of fun. Yeah, that is true the way people think that way. I I, I would say that's unfair. I get it. Yeah, but yeah. I, that's probably there's, there's like a pretentious vibe to Bono that well, people can't Bono get over. Well, because dared to care. Yeah, he dared to care. Very, he dared to ve- care. Part publicly. of it was very publicly, mm-hmm. you know, and which is like, I there's an argument to be made if you were going to do that stuff, make it public so people know, and you know, you can try to make a change with the influence that you have, or you could just be like, "How's everybody fucking doing?" Yeah, yeah. it's it's the difference. Like it, Dave Grohl never went and wrote something like a freak like me needs company from spider-man turn off the dark <laughs> so it's yeah like, the ambitions of, of you Grohl too, doesn't really. have like weird i mean until uh 2021 yeah with i'm the like DGs. okay come on <laughs> but, mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. that's like the first time he's done something experimental in a 30-year career essentially right. and yeah. it's, and people are already like fuck off to do to do a bg's record even though it's like a stunty record store day thing it's it's yeah people aren't thrilled mm-hmm. but if bono put out like a back to basics u2 record everyone be like, ugh, get out of here, Bono. And he's like, yeah, no, <laughs> he can't win. He just and like, can't yeah, win. no, Bono is screwed. He got stuck in a moment and he can't get out. <laughs> hey. You know, you know, I think what happened is evil Bono from the Elevation video took over. <laughs> How dare you mention the Elevation this is video? evil Bono. What you were saying, Connor, like the fact that it feels like relaxed, that album, and like that they were just having fun or like they were doing what they wanted to do. That's how that album was made. After recording it, they were like, okay, but we need another guitar player for the tour. We can't tour as a, a three-piece. The heavy guitar sound is crucial to like the Foo Fighters sound. So they hired this guy named Chris Shiflett, who was like a Bay Area underground punk guy. He was in a band called No Use for a Name. Very oh, yeah. punk. I do know I that. I didn't know that, actually. He wow. Was, he was in No Use for a Name. He was also, up until recently, was in Me First in the Gimme Gimmies. Oh, all right, Wow, then. I've been asleep at the wheel. I guess I love Chris Shiflett. Yeah, I'm like, aren't they busy opening for every show? Yeah. In, uh, you know, every... I just, I always pegged him as like one of the other guys in The Killers, where it's mm. like, who who knows the other killers? It's like almost everybody in the Foo Fighters has some cool cred beyond the group. You know, they all come from some place that is that is cool which i think is probably why i would defend them as a rock hall band because this is a guy that cares so much about rock music i know it's literally why everyone voted for him (laughs) but also like after there's nothing left to lose and you know we'll we'll stop talking less and less about the albums because they immediately get less and less interesting but like he becomes this rock god guy that's like he plays drums on the queens of the stone age record songs for the deaf which kind of launches them into being a huge band uh-huh. he drums for tenacious d on the, on that record mm-hmm. he becomes a go-to f- friendly guy who will play the drums on right. the record yeah and There's, make it better he makes this really fun metal hardcore uh album under the name probot, probot. 
which uh, is is a genuinely good record. <laughs> so we talk about Dave Grohl being great guy and like this band just being well beloved. I have to acknowledge the one stain oh, on no. their career, the one blemish, which this is we hey, we have to blame Nate Mendel because he led this benefit concert for a group called Alive and Well, which was an AIDS denialist group. What? <laughs> yes. They claim that there's no link between HIV and AIDS. That was their big thing. That No, that <laughs> HIV turns yeah. into oh, AIDS. There's, like, there's plenty science. of scientific uh, evidence to the Is contrary. that what the song All My Life is about? <laughs> I, okay, I love it, but I hate and the And there AIDS. was like a link um, on their website for a long time oh to this God. group. And Alive like, and well. They played for this group. and Did they obscure it? Like, did was the... Because the name was the charity well like a little good. like coy about it that someone was I think duped? it was I I think now is the, Nate is he an AIDS tonight how I'm so sorry what? if he is gr- the Grohl and Grohl machine has steamrolled it so that none of it has e- will ever come up again I no just, one will ever in again he will never he will say no if you ask him like because that has been smoothed out and no one is to ever talk of it again but well, it is here wild. we are muckraking <laughs> I ha- okay but. Can you just explain to me what the hell? Probably not. Can you tell me Probably just not. so you're saying that the this group They played for a benefit concert. No, no, I'm talking about oh, Alive okay. and Well. Foo Fighters. The purpose oh god. <laughs> this group, the Foo Fighters. The Alive and Well Foundation or whatever that they were doing this fundraiser for, mm-hmm. their purpose is to disprove that HIV leads to AIDS. Mm-hmm. Yes. What? It's a crazy. No, but I mean, like, what is the goddamn point of that? I really am so confused. It is. It's the same. It's probably the same psychological thing that leads someone to think the Earth is flat, to lead someone to think that vaccines cause autism. You know, it's the same thing. Of it's people who need. But I, I, I mean, guess like, I'm <laughs> just like I. This is just such a. I know it, low it's an insane key, one. Weird and, and conspiracy harmful theory and, and harmful. Just one that I've never heard. Well, and they're like HIV is real, okay, but it doesn't lead to AIDS. Like that, I don't. It's very get strange, at all. and I will not be able to explain it all in right. any way. Okay. Like I, I can just bring this up because I, I think it's an interesting and str- especially for this group, very bizarre thing that happened. And it's also right before they become the mega. Band. Mm-hmm. That they are now, like yeah. So the I just really I'm I'm just I I'm so caught up, unfortunately, on what on earth this alive and well group right even stands for. Um, but Dave and Taylor do induct Queen into the Rock Hall in 2001. I believe that's their first affiliation with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ooh. Do they do a cute speech? They do, and then they also they play. They play "Tie Your Mother Down" with Brian May and Roger Taylor. <laughs> Already just rocks journeyman mm-hmm. guy. I, I do want to m- mention another great Foo Fighters one-off. Their cover with Brian May of the Pink Floyd song Have a Cigar right. on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack. Strange. Very bizarre. Whatever. So they are struggling to record their fourth album. And at this time, like Taylor Hawkins ODs on heroin. No. And is oh, in a coma no, 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 no. Two weeks. Oh, this is bad. He's Wait, fine. I, I, no. No. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, this yeah. is my other question. Does Girl do drugs? What's his no. deal? I think he's a drinker. He's a drinker. But not to like a 
excess or to like a problem. Yeah, excess. he doesn't appear to be an alcoholic, but alcohol be- appears to be his vice. I think of he's choice. a long run alky. I think like <laughs> over time, it's get to the point where I was saying earlier where he's getting older and it's not as cute to see him Sloshed. beer drunk anymore. Right. Okay, but Taylor, but Taylor Hawkins had serious drug problems and because, heroin specifically, and especially after you lose Cobain. And I just am like. That had to be pretty yeah. uh, triggering for this my is, guy. This is a little bit of a, a lost period. I mean, like, this is when Grohl goes and plays drums uh, with Queens of the Stone Age. Songs for the Deaf. And they're all kind of pursuing different little projects at this point. You know, they th- consider breaking up, but they ha- they perform at Coachella and have a really good Coachella performance. And they're like, we do like this. This is good. We need to keep doing this. And then they make this fourth album, One by One, which comes out in 2002. That's the album that has all my life on it. It's also the album that has times like these. It's like your favorite, maybe your least favorite. My favorite favorite and least favorite songs all in one. So this was like, I was so excited for this. Uh, It came out when I was in high school and I, because I loved There's Nothing Left to Lose so much. And this was the first band disappointment album I remember Mm -hmm. where I was like, I was trying so hard to like it, but it's very homogenized early 2000s hard rock and everything mm-hmm. kind of sounds the same there's not a lot of variance to the tracks even though i i will stand by times like these as a good pop rock single there aren't a lot of like the fun poppy there's one song called tired of you which is like a slow him and one electric guitar that i think is a, a pretty interesting song i won't go getting tired of you there's a lot of songs in that that just feel like nothing. I mean, if, my, if I may quote Dave Grohl, four of the songs were good, and the other seven I've never played again in my life. Wow. Oh, man. They All do right. not like this album, and they're, they're pretty And they were right, because, yeah, it. it's, uh, even though the, the hits hit pretty hard on this one, yeah, there's no, the heart was gone, and it's weird because every time they try and get the heart back for the rest of their career, it never came back after this record, at least in my opinion. There's a damn heart on the cover. There's a heart. It's a black heart, though. It's a black and red Drawn heart. by Raymond Pettibon, who did, like, the Black Flag logo. Logo, like, oh. A very, very famous designer. There's a fun little trivia note, which is that from October 26, 2002 to March 1st, 2003, Grohl has the number one spot on the rock charts because they go from Nirvana's You Know You're Right... <laughs> All My Life to No One Knows by Queens of the Stone Whoa. Age. And there's like a long span, wow. say for one week in there, where Saliva has the number one song. <laughs> Ooh, always? Was it always? always? It is always. How does that song go? You wouldn't uh, know it. Okay. I just remember him just going, always, always. It was a song about, I believe, I'm, no, we won't get into what Saliva's about. It was a song about, about oral. Not, <laughs> no, All I, of Saliva's songs I, are I, about I, oral. And I, some, please correct me if I'm wrong, audience, but I believe the song always was about his abusive girlfriend. Oh. Josie Scott, that is. Hmm. Uh, I listened to I listened to hard rock radio in the early 2000s. Yeah, a me lot. too. There's a lot of saliva. In saliva there. was around back mm. then. <laughs> they are weirdly still around. I'm sure not po- politically problematic in the slightest. Mm-mm. Now, let's go to their fifth album, a little bit of a return to form, 2005's In Your Honor, which has Best of You on it. This is a double album. The concept was that the one CD would be kind of heavier rock stuff and the other CD would be like acoustic, softer things. But I don't think it 
works because now they're a full band and it kind of lacks the the intimacy of what I liked about the the softer tracks in the in the first few records. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, you have to. I think this album does give them one of the ultimate seals of approval because the best of you is later covered by Prince mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl. Yes. And I believe that was him retaliating because on a B-side, they covered Darling, Darling Nikki. And he was mad about it because he was um, he became a Jehovah's Witness and he didn't like his sex songs anymore. And so, so, so in a weird trolling he decides to perform the best of you at the super the bowl biggest stage. Yeah. and it's an incredible version it, it basically makes the foo fighters what sound like dog shit well and i do not like that song i don't think i think it's good but not great it's fine i just don't like that uh, that uh sub genre is not for me i don't think his anguished romantic songs really work because he seems so settled and happy that, uh, is he, he married s- to someone? Yeah, he is. You know, he was married when the group started. He divorced that woman and then was Got dating, was dating with, with a Veruca Salt woman, but then uh, married a woman whose name is Jordan Bloom, which is also the name <laughs> of a movie producer, obviously. <laughs> uh, but he's been married to her and they have a few kids. It really is indicative of like what the rest of their career is, is he seems settled and happy and he's one of the biggest rock stars in the world. He doesn't have a lot to say, and he doesn't have like a lot of experimenting to do, so it's just they they almost become a version of like they're almost kind of like cake at this point, where it's like every record sounds like a Foo Fighters record that sounds like this. You know what to expect. You know exactly what to expect. Even though I would I would say the Cake discography a little stronger than the Foo Fighters now, discography. Connor, Fighting words. I said that exact same thing three years ago on our on our last episode. I wait really I on the Foo Fighters about the Foo Fighters and Cake <laughs> about how they have a sound and how you always it's like there's not real evolution in their music. It's just consistency. Yeah, like you can put any Cake album in any order and it's like this i would believe this one came yeah. first second third yeah, anything after one by one could be from any album essentially but the good thing about cake is that they did stop they put out a song <laughs> a couple years ago it's pretty good <laughs> i was the only one to hear but, it i mean they didn't put out another one of those albums with a color on it and no a and, they, and they never whatever. and they never put out a song where they tried to get away from the cake thing because everyone yeah. would have been bummed. I mean, there's, but the thing is you take that swing because one out of ten times someone does that, it works and yeah. it elevates you to a new yeah. level. You know, so if you want your artists to take swings and, and to be ambitious, but some artists aren't capable of that and that's where it gets tricky. Well, you know? I feel like Dave Grohl got to, has gotten to a point where now he does know his lane. He's like, well, except for now. Hold except on. Except for we'll, now, 2021 we'll has fucked him up. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, after In Your Honor, that, that was the first album they started playing with Rami Jaffe, who was not part of the group yet and wouldn't be part of the group for another 12 years. He's a keyboard player. He was a member of the Wallflowers, and but he at that point had become like a studio guy, and he toured with them eventually would become a member of the group. Pat Smear also came back 
when they were touring with a bigger band because in, in your honor, the arrangements and stuff were a little more complicated. So they had like Petra Hayden on strings. And is that a woman? That She's is... in that dog, Petra Hayden. Petra Hayden. One of the Hayden triplets. Oh. Yeah, that is a woman. And she also played with Susanna Hoffs at the Wheel Show. Wow. She played a, a, set, a warm-up set for just me and Joe, and it was the happiest we'd ever been. <laughs> and for our listeners, that was uh, you know one of the great live uh, comedy shows that was in Los Angeles, The Wheel Show. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't have to explain it to You're our listeners. They know, to... they know what The Wheel Show was. Um, <laughs> the theater is now dust. Yeah. Because, you know, we leveled it uh, yep, with the yep. power of comedy. <laughs> they released a live album, Skin and Bones, which is kind of from the In Your Honor tour. And then we go to the sixth album, terrible title, depending on who you are, uh, Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace, 2007. And the, Connor, what do you think? I he think loves I've, it. I think I've listened to this album twice in 14 years. All I really remember is the single Long Road to Ruin. <laughs> music video uh, which was a 70s soap opera with him and Rashida Jones that's like all I remember well the big single from this album is the pretend oh the pretend yeah which the pretender I, is a, was a giant song it just sounds like I'll stick around meets best of you to me yeah. though. Mm-hmm. it just yeah. it doesn't sound like its own song to got me. a nice yelly chorus that's mm-hmm. what we like. This album, Pat Smear was back on guitar duties and would join officially again soon after. They go on a hiatus at this point. Grohl does Them Crooked Vultures with oh God, John yeah. Paul Jones. That's a good record. I like Zeppelin it. I just forgot that people used to be having all these rock super side groups. projects yeah. and super groups. Wow. Yeah. And then they come back for their seventh album, Wasting Light, in 2011. Which I think is a very good album. I think it's probably the last great album they'll they'll put out. Yeah, and that has songs that we mentioned earlier, which are one word. They have a song called Rope, which is a great rock song. has yeah, a great riff. Yeah, Rope's great. Then walk, which is more ballady, which you might know because this is one that's like learning to walk again. At some point, he just starts screaming, "I'm never gonna die!" Oh wait, but when you did that, that was a good roll, and and I think it helped me really uh, remember the song. That does not sound like a song I would it's, like. The, the album itself is pretty heavy, and it, the whole thing they were doing was they're recording to tape again. Analog, uh, yeah. Analog, and there's a couple really hard songs where he goes full hardcore throaty. There's a song called White Limo that's, like, really hard. <laughs> Sounds like they're having a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and it's a full, full band sound, and I think it's the best version of modern Foo Fighters that could exist, where there's some variants. They have some weird guests like Bob Mould, Mould, from, Mould, from Bob, Bob Mould's on a track, and Novoselic is on a uh, track. Butch Vig produced and, it. And Butch Vig, yeah, who produced oh, Nevermind. Right. And yeah, they did it analog, which was a crazy move because they couldn't fix stuff digitally, so they had to really know the tracks and be good at it and work hard. Uh, and then That's they made fun. made poor Butch Vig literally have to like slice tape and stuff because yeah, there's but I think after that it kind of spawns this and th- this was the next decade of rock music was every album had to have this 
oddly specific, elaborate rollout because after this is the whole HBO Sonic, Sonic, Highways. Sonic Highways thing. Yeah. Where so it's like we're recording a song at every recording studio. Is that what they it was? go from city to city and they have a different guest musician who's like tied to that city for each track. So like the big single, I guess, from this album is something from nothing which has uh, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, and they recorded it in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Can you sing that one? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard everything out here. I know. This, to me, sounds like an over-conceptualized project. I, it sounds that's what like the rest of their mm -hmm. career it's, it's really it's, unfortunate. It's part documentary, it's yeah. part collaboration album. It's like all right, it's going to be a docu series and an album and a road trip across America. Right. And everyone was like cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching and then it's like the recipe for the most bland. Well, they, they just didn't have the songs. Yeah. It's like if right. the songs were good, that album would you be would really have been interesting. Like, what a great what a great yeah. idea that was. And and, and you know what's bizarre is this is like the last Foo thing that I really, really love is they put out an EP the year after called St. Cecilia, and it's really like we went in in a weekend and recorded a few songs, and it's the like again, it's like they're alive, they're happy, the the songs feel intimate. They're and alive sparse. and well. They're alive. <laughs> Ooh, we don't talk about that. Uh, uh, but yeah, like they're not trying too hard yeah. to make like an all something elaborate. There's a very goofy yeah. song called Sean on it that I really, really like. <laughs> single Saint Cecilia is a truly great Foo Fighters song. After this album, early on in the tour is when Grohl falls from the stage and breaks his leg. And then they have to cancel some tour dates, but he doesn't want to cancel all of them, so they rig up this like throne for him to sit on. Watch plays, the throne. He plays a bunch of these dates like in this giant throne with like his leg up in a cast. Is it cool or is it not cool? I didn't see it live. I've seen pictures, and which makes me think it's not cool. But like, I respect the the grind. I guess the yeah. like, and if like you have a tour set up and like you're you're going to see that through, and the people who want to see you, you're going to show up, and it's a different experience. Yeah. All those people are going to be like, I saw. I was there for the Dave Grohl broken leg throne tour. Mm -hmm. I sh I should also stress, I've never seen them live. And I feel like seeing them live would probably drastically shift well, my wait opinion. Well, wait and come into Cleveland with us in uh, October. Okay, sure. All right, <laughs> Connor's in. Well, I mean, like, we, we've talked about a lot of their songs from their albums, and it's like, you would know just about every song they play. Yeah, I mean, we've been able to say, I mean, the only album echoes, so that's like the only one where it doesn't seem like we have a full grasp of, like, the hit single. Outside of The Pretender. Outside The Pretender, yeah. yeah. But they're a great greatest hits band. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. even have one more song, I would say, the the record after this, which I, God help me, I do not know the name of. Are uh, you referring to Concrete and Gold? Concrete and Gold. Of course I'm talking about Concrete and Gold. There's a song in there called Run, which is a, a real barn burner song. It's a great song. And then the song after that was called The Sky is a Neighborhood, Neighborhood which oh, is wow. maybe my least favorite Foo Fighters single ever. Yeah. It's so lame. Rami Jaffe is officially a, a member of the group at this point, Thank though. God. So Thank welcome, welcome mm -hmm. Rami. Yeah, and then the 10th album was supposed to be released in 2020, was released in February of 2021, pushed back because of the pandemic. Medicine at Midnight. Oof. 
I mean, I just remember when that new single, Shame, 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 shame. dropped. Shame, shame. It's not embarrassing in like a embarrassing way. Like but in it, a disaster it, way. It does yeah. feel like a, uh, all right. They're trying stuff. They're being a little dancey. They're like being a but little. They're not, but they weren't confident enough to try and do like a full dance rock. like again i've got to bring up my boys the the, the w men the weezer boys <laughs> and when they flop they flop colossally because yeah. they, they go, go for it. all in it's like let's get lil wayne on this track yeah and then i feel like if Grohl wanted to and again i guess we'll see with this the the bgs thing <laughs> like i almost wish they'd just been like here's a foo fighters album it's a disco record yeah, yeah. i think that would have been cool. i would so prefer that to doing Faithful covers of Bee Gees songs, changing nothing, just trying to sound exactly like them. Yeah. It is so boring to me and disappointing. It, it, it's like the football players putting on dresses at like yes. the rally or something. Yes. Like, hey, we're, really we're this is. now. Yeah. And I want the football players to get in full drag w- and go yes. out to a drag show. Yeah. That's I, what I'm talking about. I want them like... I want their legs. Sha- I want their legs shaved. I want them tucked and padded. I want their faces beat for yeah. the gods. No, but it definitely is like a. I'm a I'm a cool guy wearing a dress, but don't worry, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. this this like medicine at midnight album. It's like you want to give them credit for trying something new, but they're still they're still afraid to like embrace and not not. I don't want to say necessarily that they're like afraid to really go for it. They are smartly attempting to do it in a Foo Fighters way. They want to maintain the essence of the group, which I understand and is fine. I just don't know that it fully works. Yeah, sometimes you have to just foo it. Well. <laughs> Wow, she really wanted. She's waiting. She's no, got a spirit of fool eye in her. She's got a spirit of fool eye in her. But I think it happens when you become. It's like the, the whole Icarus, the the too close. To the, is that it? The too close to the sun <laughs> yeah, thing. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's when you get to a certain level of like mega fame, especially in rock, it almost becomes impossible to try new things. Yes. Because yeah. even like. Prince was the most brilliant experimental guy, and then his last twenty albums are all just the same kind of watered down R and B funk because he didn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, what's and he gonna it, do? And it kind of feels like Grohl, apart from like, what if I put out a hardcore record? Or, but even that, I don't think he could do anymore. He's like, he's too big. It's it, right, and he's well, this 50. is when you make a stupid tape called Foo Fighters. Do you know what I mean? And hope that someone finds but, it and doesn't know it's yeah, you. Yeah, but he doesn't. Or have, I, you start to mentor people younger than you. That I think is maybe a missing component of many creative industries. And I just think that if people who have had wild success and innovated, I'm not calling the Foo Fighters innovative, but I'm thinking about just bands and comedians and artists of all of all types. It's like at a certain point, if your name is connected to it, it's not going to be what it would be without your name. And so you can give the things you've learned and like some mentorship and right. ideas to Like has Dave Grohl produced yeah. someone's album? Well, I, I mean, well, he, I think he did do that 20 years ago with Josh Homme. I right, think exactly. like he, did, he was age. trying to do that back when that kind of music was you know, well, let's still find, successful. You know, let's find the princesses of medieval times. Like, you know, we'll move <laughs> yes. forward. Come let's on. find the kings I mean, of the Gilded Age. I guess that really would be the thing, though, is if Grohl mentored a queer band or, yeah. you know, a, like a POC band. Like, that feels like the only other angle he could take. To I don't think he gives a shit about relevancy as much. But I, then again, he 
put out a kind of poppy rock album, so it seems like he is still trying to chase the charts, at least a little bit. Yeah, unless that's just, you know, there's something personal that is connected to that. But how many bands, how many rock bands can still fill a stadium? Because there's probably eight. Yeah, I was going to say a handful. And from his era, there's... Only What's three him, or four. Him, Green Day and Weezer. Pearl Jam. Green, uh, Pearl Jam still could. Yeah. Green Day and Weezer can. And then after them, I'm like, I guess the Strokes, if it's a small enough stadium. Coldplay. 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 And then I don't think this. I don't think the Strokes could. I don't think so either. No. Um, Playing the Forum. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, I think they can only do that in two cities. Yeah. It's like who yeah. could play? Okay, staples? that's fair. Yeah. Um, the, the, no one. No one in Dubuque is going to the Stroke show. But then after that, it's like, what? Can Muse still do it? Probably. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, more more in Europe, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, it's it's all kind of like question mark asterisk bands. Yeah. Like, I mean, imagine Queens of the Stone Age are gigantic. Imagine Dragons, but they're uh, newer, aren't they? Right. I'm just thinking rock bands in general. Yeah. I think the Queens of the Stone Age comes close. Like. And then there's like the more kind of classic. Like Iron Maiden can still feel, feel yeah. As you as like, you go like back older. in the legacy acts that that can still do that, and that's for a very specific reason because but of the is, demographic. It is funny because Foo Fighters, Weezer, and Green Day all have their big debuts right around the same time, and they've all followed similar conflicting trajectories mm-hmm. where all of them have done Back to Basics, all of them have done weird side projects. Only one of them's of, done like, a musical. All, uh, I was trying to think. Oh, did is it, well. The Foo Fighters one was off, off, off. Broadway. Wait, the Foo Fighters did <laughs> no, a musical. Okay, oh my god! Um, it would not shock me. That could but, still happen. But yeah, it's, it's funny because Learn to Fly. They're all it's like <laughs> inspirational. All tale the frontmen are, are so, so different. Wait, I'm so sorry. Actually, I'm now thinking about um, some songs. Like all my life could absolutely be in a musical. It could be like the purpose song of the young hero. Oh, yeah, Everlong like, Long is a close to Act One, falling in love yeah. song. Yeah, oh, I don't want to talk about this. It's making me hate the band. <laughs> Uh, no, but I just I think it's interesting because th- of that era, they're the only three bands that are still really around, and mm-hmm. Weezer's the only one that's still actually on the radio, though. Right, like, they can mm-hmm. put something out, and it'll it could potentially be played on the radio a lot. Foo Fighters will still get play on any single they put out, but they fall off fast. Same with the Chili Peppers. Oh yeah! Oh god, yeah, that's you right. Can't the forget chi- the yeah, you can't RHCP. For- I can't believe I forgot our they do. RHCP. I mean, like really, if you if you're being technical, they are a good decade before from when they right, really started, yeah. but they broke yeah. around the same time as the other Also, bands. I would totally go see Red Hot Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters an on a double night. bill. That yeah. would be an awesome Because you yeah. just, it, you'd get into like weird 12-year-old high five mode, like, because it's just a bunch of like mm-hmm. 12-year-old boy high five, like, yeah, this song's great. Yeah. I definitely, I think they did tour together at really? one point. Oh, wow. But, you know, it would have been like probably 20 years ago. Yeah, I think I would just love to see Grohl accept the mantle of helping the next generation rather than continuing to try to figure out how to make the Foo Fighters more interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when when I think about who might induct them, I don't think about anybody who really who came after them. Yeah. I, I always think about either peers or people who came before because he reaches back a yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about... Well, and they're like the last of a dying bloodline. They're, they're definitely the last that creek classic is drying rock up. band. You know, we, we often talk about like, oh, who does this tributary open for, for future inductees? And I think this is just, we're looking at the end right 
right now. So who do you think it's going to be? I, uh, like I think there's, a, there's, there's so, because he's so well-liked and he has worked with so many people, I think there's a lot of possibilities. You could go rock royalty because he's worked with Paul McCartney. He recently did a song with Mick Jagger. These are both guys that Which like... Which we all loved. We yeah, all know sleazy. all the words. Easy sleazy. <laughs> I have the words to that song are, oh I did this last episode, I'm going to bring it up again, oh God. because there are some lyrics I in there. I still have managed to avoid listening to this song it's, as well. It's a rough go. <laughs> Guys, shooting the vaccine, Bill Gates is in my bloodstream, it's mind control, the earth is flattened and cold, it's never warming up, the Arctic's turned to slush, the second's coming late, and there's aliens in the deep state. Ooh. What if this, wow, wait, what if you, this is these prophetic? These are new lyrics that I, I didn't know. know from the last What if he's time? telling I the truth it. and this song becomes the most prophetic rock song of our history? Did, like, his... Well, I mean, he is right about the cl- the climate changing. <laughs> what? How does... Mi- I don't want to get it. too deeply into it, but, like... <laughs> How does Mick no, Jagger please. know about any of this stuff? Did his assistant tell him? Or he's just like, well, people talking about online. And they're like, uh, you know, there's this thing. The <laughs> QAnon state? thinks the deep state. And he's like, oh, okay, put deep state. People are on their phones. <laughs> um, like the fact that he, it's, he's like tuned into people thinking that like Bill Gates is, is going to put microchips in the vaccine. Anyway. I have two guesses. Oh, sure. Go ahead. I think one is pretty... Uh, I don't know if he's famous enough, but Josh Homme, I feel That's like, is, is a possibility. He is one of the true descendants of the Foo Fighters and that Grohl. That's helped. the Queens, Queens of the Stone, Stone Age, Age guy. guy. Yeah. Here's who I think it is going to be, though. Mm-hmm. And if I'm right, I am right. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Whoa, I think they, they, they always try and do the thing where it's like they want to have that tributary effect. And mm-hmm. but sometimes it doesn't really work, and and but I think about like all like the weird Nirvana, the women covering Nirvana, mm-hmm. which was like a mixed bag, even though it's like kind of exciting in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I they it. get Phoebe Bridgers to induct them because she's one of the only new rock voices that people know right now, and I think she does have sort of an appreciation for classic rock, mm-hmm. and I think they just kind of. They basically will try and retcon it that she loves the Foo Fighters. (laughs) Like, I don't think it's something where she'll be like, I love the Foo, but it'll be like, but she'll go with like, I love Everlong or something. Like, they'll find like, I just feel like if they can get Paul McCartney, Phoebe Bridgers ain't even coming to the ceremony. Phoebe Bridgers is not a big enough name for what they would want. Oh, I'm sorry. I know who's it's going to be Jack Black. That's my, that's the top of my list. Yeah. And that's what we said three years ago. Did we? Yes. Jack Black or Letterman. Letterman just did. Pearl Jam, but that was 2017. He could come back. Obviously, Letterman is tied to the Foo Fighters forever because, you know, he had very invasive heart surgery and it was really serious. And then when he came back, he wanted the Foo Fighters to play Everlong. This was years after Everlong had come out because that helped him through the process and the surgery. And they played it. And then they played it again on Letterman's last show. Oh, wow. That's so, a really sweet performance, the the last Letterman the very last one. one. Yeah, yeah, with like the clips and of they, everything. They, they have a you know montage of clips from the show that there is played over the Foo Fighters live playing Everlong. I mean, you're going back to the Letterman well pretty quickly, but it's not like it's two years in a row. I mean, but Jack Black mm-hmm. is huge again. Mm-hmm. So Wait, he's huge again? Oh, yeah, because of his Instagram. His TikTok. Instagram's gigantic. Wait, his TikTok's gigantic. I, I don't yeah. know this. 
Yeah, he's uh, like, I think through his kids. What's he talking about? Oh, he's just being silly. He um, just does bit, uh, shirtless dances. Like, he's, he's being Jack Black. Oh, my God. And he'll, like, respond to people. You know how on TikTok you yeah. can, like, reply to the, someone. They, I think they call it, is it duetting or, yeah, or something it, yeah. like that? And he's in, like, the Jumanji movies. He's humongous He's still, he's still yeah. a movie star. Was there a new Jumanji movie? A year or two ago. There were two okay. Manjis. There were two Manjis. Manji. Yeah. Did they call it two Manji? No. Oh, no. huge mistake. Missed opportunity. Or it could have been called Fumanji. Hello. Boo. Um, I know Dave had said on Howard Stern that he wanted Stuart Copeland from the police to induct them because his mm-hmm. original idea of making a solo tape as a drummer with a fake name on it is something that Stuart Copeland did when he was in the police. He made something called Clark Kent with uh, two K's and then put it out there without people knowing that it I'm was I'm sure him. all the, the Rock Hall guys got hard when they heard that, but there's no way <laughs> yeah, HBO's I'm over here, I'm over no, here like it's, you, it's too you low. put that in your speech scroll, you put that in your acceptance speech, you give yeah, a shout to, out to Stuart Cut to him at a table. Like, yeah. And that's yeah. that. The execs think, are not going to have it. I also think I think Chris Novoselic would be interesting, but I think they probably I'm don't no want to... I'm no longer interested. <laughs> <laughs> they probably politically don't want to involve themselves with him, and I think they also, in general, would not want to lean on the Nirvana connection too long. I think Brian yeah. May and Roger Taylor, that's interesting. Brian to May, reverse it. But didn't they just... Brian May just inducted Def Leppard in 2019. Yeah, to me that's a no. Geddy Lee and Alex Lifeson because they inducted Rush, so Rush could induct them back. Boo. But yeah. The- <laughs> don't do this. Come on. Don't do Springsteen? it. Springsteen? Springsteen's an option. I don't... Th- I like, This guy likes rock like I do. Uh, like that kind of... Damn world. Joan Jett because uh, Dave Grohl played with her when she was inducted, and apparently... She does that a lot, though. I feel like Joan Jett's at every she rock sh- call She shows ceremony. up. Um, I don't know that she has inducted she... anybody, though. But, yeah, I think Jack Black's a, a good one, and I think the songs, like, they have to play Everlong, I think they have to play All My Life. It, there's they probably play two more. I think doing This Is A Call, because it's the first track yeah, of the first album. that's a great I, song. I think it's Everlong, This Is A Call. I think times like these now... Is become huge again because of the pandemic, because right? Because so that's absolutely like playing. Yeah, and then they're gonna play like something new, some something kind of new, but it's yeah. gonna be like twelve years old at this point. It'll be like it's our new song. Yeah, the, the thing is, and this is the they're credit gonna to them, rock, and it's gonna be fun though. Their their like four song set or whatever is gonna be great. Yeah, and then they'll be sort of the linchpin of like the jam, right? They'll, like, they'll yeah. probably close it out. They'll, they'll probably, probably headline. be the closers and do the jam. Yeah. You know, we talked about this in the three years ago episode, but now that knowing that it's happening, when we were filling out ballots with people, everyone was like, well, who's going to close the show if not the Foo Fighters or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it hadn't. Now I can see how obvious it is that they will close out the show and that they'll do a great job. Mm-hmm. I'd rather watch them close the show than Def Leppard. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. Like, this is like this is not dissimilar to when Pearl Jam closed out the show. In yeah, I yeah. think it's people are gonna love it. It's gonna be fun, and honestly, I didn't expect to say this, but I'm looking forward to it. I've never seen them live. That sounds fun. I remember the nineties. Would you say like, you're looking forward to it? More like boo word. 
to you both. Connor, thank you for joining us for this walk down (laughs) the Foo Fighters memory lane, memfoo-ry lane. (laughs) I I was going to say memory foo. <laughs> These are terrible. These are pretty well, bad. Scrolled on memory foo. It's in the spirit of foo lie. Fooner Fulavin, I want to thank you for joining us on Foo Cares About the Rock Hall. Oh, gosh. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Your social media or? Uh, yeah, uh, at Connor the Connor on Twitter. I mainly just post when I like a song. That's a, my great <laughs> my great tweets. Uh, I think our listeners would well, enjoy uh, You yeah. can go to uh, my website, connorbait.com, and read some of I have a couple music biopics I wrote. I wrote one about uh, Bobby Boris Pickett, who uh, did the, the, mon- the Monster Match. Mm-hmm. And again, I voted for him every year. <laughs> I, I, think, rock I do think he should. What's the what's the version he could the get si- into? The closest thing would be the singles. singles. I think he, I don't see how that's not in the the rock hall. Put him like, in the singles. Well, maybe because it's bad. <laughs> no, it's not. Hey, it's listen, the only song point, that's charted on I the did charts. I believe he was getting in Billboard charts. Uh, 50 years running, bitch. All right. Okay. Fair. That's not a bad. Uh, All I want for Christmas is, is foo. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, thank you so much. This was fun. Yep. I'm glad we got to do this. I mean, foo lie is just beginning. Who knows where we'll go from here? Truly, where Truly. else? Truly. I have Truly. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, our listeners know that they can follow us at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter and Instagram, rockhallpod at gmail.com is the email. If you want Kristen to see your message, you need to designate that somewhere in there. Otherwise, I'm not going to forward it to her. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Five stars only. Anything less is rude or, dare I say it, food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusu Kim for the music. Thank you to Future Rock Legends for having a website that allows for a podcast like this to exist. Thank you to Pantheon Podcasts for hosting us. Uh, I'm Joe Quazala. I'm Kristen Foodard. And Foo cares about the rock hall. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.